0: All right, so we are in Genesis chapter 6 this morning, uh, picking up our study in the book of Genesis called God and Man, God and Man. I'm uh, working on getting these online uh, if you want to torture your friends or you want to torture yourself and pick something up maybe that you missed. So hopefully that'll be soon. But uh, we're looking at really in the study of Genesis, perhaps not the deepest uh, exegesis of the scriptures, so to speak, of studying uh, the scriptures themselves, but really. Looking at it and reading it and looking to see God in it. I think a lot of times in the past when I've read Genesis, I've read through it or studied through it or heard messages on it. And I've kind of maybe separated God as sort of the deity in the sky or the separate, I don't know. Just there wasn't an intimacy there, I think is what I'm trying to say. But this time through and studying it and reading through it, really seeing an intimacy between God and man and really seeing God as the, the center focus of at least this first part of Genesis, to where, yeah, there's other characters like Noah, Cain, and Abel, but really God is the central figure that that the Scripture wants us to see. Yeah, these people are there to instruct us and show us right and wrong and and how we really react to God. But I think a lot of times we miss God in Genesis and what his heart is and what he says and what he's doing in it. Um, So hopefully we'll see some some more of that this morning. Uh, But The title of this morning's message, if I didn't say it, is God Said to Noah. God said to Noah, and this is part two because I rambled on last week and we didn't get through it all, <laughs> we'll get through it today briefly, but last time we saw Noah was an able recipient of God's grace, that when God looked out on the whole world, I'm going to do it again Mario, that there was no ahs in his life <laughs> until he saw Noah and then his grace, I love it, I'm going to keep saying it for the rest of my life, <laughs> but uh, God found an able recipient for his grace in Noah, a man who wasn't perfect. But was looking for God and was looking for a Savior and wanted his life to be perfect, even though he wasn't able to do it on his own. And we saw that Noah, I believe, did the right things because he believed the right things. Everyone else believed what they wanted to believe, and they were doing sin constantly, God said. But Noah believed God for who he was. You know, we saw that his lineage there was uh, Enoch who walked, who walked with God and then was uh, taken to heaven and didn't die, and this was in his lineage. So he had family who knew God and instructed him in the ways of God. He wasn't that far from Adam either, um, if we look at the generations. We saw that uh, Noah was perfect in his generations. We saw earlier in chapter 6 this connection between the demonic and humanity, where there was these weird practices going on, and we saw people get involved in these weird offspring. The Bible like gives us these little pictures of weird things sometimes, and then that kind kind of shuts it off and says, that's all you really need to know there's some weird things going on and we see that Noah and his generation wasn't corrupted by these practices and if God was going to flood the whole world and start humanity over again he needed to start from a so-called pure bloodline and we see a lot of today people like think that they have a pure bloodline and that they become racist from these things but obviously we all came from Noah and his sons we're all of one family of God and there's no uh, superior man the only superior man is Jesus but we saw that the earth was also corrupt before God. That sin got so bad that the whole earth was corrupt. You know, the whole earth groans. You know, people, as we'll see today, are so worried about the state of the world today. And I say maybe some of these things are the causes, but really the root cause is sin. That all of creation groans for the eternal Lord because sin is just—it breaks things, it destroys things. We saw that's right, at the end there. We saw that judgment was coming, one way or another. That no matter what Noah did, if Noah built the ark or didn't build the ark. The flood was coming, um, and I think today we need, to, we need to take that into account. No matter what we do, the end is coming. You know, whether it's just the end of our lives, maybe you're getting older, maybe you're just worried about getting older like me, uh, but, uh, you know, it's coming. One day it's going to come, but even more so, the judgment of God, the end of the world is coming. Even the world knows this. The world's running around like a bunch of animals before a storm because they know the end is coming, but they refuse to believe why, believe in the way out. But really, who knows, who better knows the judgment of God and the cross of Christ than the church? And we saw, you know, judgment is coming, and like Romans Romans talks about judgment is coming, those who approve of sin, but the Bible also talks about that judgment must begin in the household of God first, that we as believers know the righteous judgment of God. We better have it lived out in our lives. We better have it worked out in our lives in sanctification because otherwise what's going to happen at the end, if we haven't allowed God's judgment through the cross to work in our lives, we might be right for judgment. We might be fooling ourselves, thinking that, "Oh, we'll be all right. It's not going to rain." And then it's going to rain. But I think it's interesting, you know, from in my devotional this morning, there were several verses that really, uh, and even uh, after uh, in upmost uh, for his highest, there were several things that that really tied into today's message. And uh, so I'm going to share those. Uh, Psalms 106:3 says, "Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that does righteousness at all times." Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that does righteousness at all times. Psalms 106, 3. The next one was Psalms 106, 30 through 31. It says, Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed, and that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. Uh, Psalms 106, 30 through 31. Uh, if you remember, Phineas was a priest. Uh, you know, I had to kind of look it up, make sure I was remembering the right story or not. Um, but I was, uh, thankfully. Uh, in Numbers 25, uh, uh, we can read it, but uh, it's it's pretty short, so maybe if you want to read it later on in your own time, it's a whole chapter. Uh, but the Israelites began to give themselves over to the gods of Midian, to Baal Peor, the lord of the gap. It was uh, a deity that worshipped and with it it had sort of uh, you know, think of like Amsterdam or Las Vegas, you know, all these other things that are involved uh, in the worldly things were sort of okay to do and worship this god. You remember like the Roman and the Greek gods, they would have these ladies who worked at the temple, and that's sort of the thought here, that, that God had seen them do this, and God said, Moses, it's time to bring judgment. You know, it's time to bring judgment they Gather all the elders of uh, Israel together. And there was this guy who went in with one of the ladies of Midianite, and Phineas saw this, and Phineas, in righteous anger, took up a spear, went in the tent, and stabbed them both through uh, the belly, and they died. Um, in the act. And God said that Phineas did a good job. Phineas stopped this judgment, this plague from continuing on Israel. This last part from, uh, it's actually, it was uh, amended to uh, the devotional in my most as reading, but it's from the love of God, the message of uh, invincible consolation. It says, we are in danger of being stern where God is tender, and of being tender where God is stern. I think a lot of times in these last days we've we've experienced so much grace of God, thankfully, we need his grace, right? We're like Noah, we want to do the right thing, like Paul says, but we can't find it in ourselves to do the right thing. And so we love grace, we need grace, we want to extend grace. And sometimes that grace comes to an end. Where we need to extend the righteous judgment of God. That doesn't mean that you go out on the street and start judging people but in, in a in a condemning way, but in this in the sense we need to to judge what's right and wrong. We talked about, God bless you, Jacob, where we're not going to let every person who claims it from God speak in our lives. We're going to judge what they're saying, judge what I'm saying against the scriptures. But also when other believers are going astray, when people that we're friends with who don't know the Lord are doing the wrong thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that we go along with them. It doesn't mean that we say, oh, well, you know, God bless you. You know, when, when a cult comes to your door, they say, no thanks. You know, it says in John, don't invite them in. John 3. Don't invite them in. Don't say God bless you. You don't want to partake in what you're doing. It doesn't say be mean, but you don't have to be like, you know, this overly like loving, which isn't really love. You know, we need to enact judgment. We need to call a spade a spade. And sometimes that means separation from others. Sometimes that means saying the hard things. Sometimes that means saying God isn't going to bless this thing that you're involved with. I'm not saying that there's no hope for you. I'm not condemning you, but I'm just calling it like it is. I'm your real friend. I'm going to tell you if you got, you know, broccoli in your teeth. You know, Jacob is a real friend to me all the time. Because Daddy, beard. When I've got food in my beard. I'm like, thank you, sir. You know, I know you love me when you tell me that. And one day maybe he'll just tell me to make fun of you, but we'll see it that But again, I think we really need to do that, especially because we know the Word of God. We know judgment is coming. We shouldn't play around like judgment isn't coming. Because if the world sees us, and I think they know, they know. The world sees us as the church not living rightly. Why are they they think judgment's coming? I mean, it's like, you know, I remember trying, like, before I got saved, and I was, like, reading the Bible, and I didn't I didn't give my life to the Lord yet, but I knew judgment's coming, and I was out in the middle of sitting with someone, and then, you know, later on, I tried sharing the gospel. They're like, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. <laughs> you know? Because that's the truth. There was no, in anything, it was conviction for me. It was God using the world to rebuke me. You better get your life right through the Lord. But with that, lovey w message this morning, let's pick up in uh, chapter thir- uh, sorry, chapter 6, verse 13. And we're going to read one verse, and then we'll stop. We're going to get real far. It says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And that's all man." You know, imagine that. I don't know what Noah is doing right now. I don't know if he was eating his porridge in the morning, if he was out on the way to Kroger or whatever grocery store they had there. But, don't ask me what I thought of that. But uh, God speaks to him. You know, I don't know if you've ever been driving in the car and feel like maybe God's speaking to you. or You're entitled of worship and you just sense God speak to you something. God says, Noah, the, the end of all flesh has come before me. You know, that the time of the end is here, Noah. And I'm telling you about it. You know, Jesus with his disciples, you know, they were, they were walking with him, and he's like, you know, you guys aren't just my servants, you're my friends, because the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but a friend kind of knows, I mean, I don't know, if you know, but like, how do you kind of know if you're close with the boss, if the boss tells you everything that he's going to do, he's got plans, he's going to hire someone, he's going to fire someone, maybe you can't do that, because that's not really legal, but, you know, he's got plans for things that are going on, he's going to share those things with you, if he, if he feels like he can confide in you, or you're a friend, you know, my boss, I feel like we have that good relationship there, we're friends. But if the boss isn't really telling you much, it's just because you're his employee, and you know, he doesn't trust you with those things yet. Um, and we see here that, that God trusts Noah. He says, Noah, you know, I mean, God, God knows who Noah is, but Noah, the end's coming, and I want to get you out of this. You know, The end is coming. And I think as a church, sometimes, we get messages like that from the Lord, especially in the last days, that God's going, it's the last days. Israel's a nation. Uh, Iran and Russia are teaming up. China's teaming up. North Korea wants to nuke you. Look up. The day of your salvation draws near. And I think we don't want to hear that message. We want to go, oh, no, no, I want to go back to my golf game. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 there's a movie on this afternoon I'm looking forward to. I don't want to hear that because that brings some sort of conviction in our life, not necessarily maybe even that we're doing anything wrong, but that we need to be busy about our father's business, that, oh, dad's coming home, we better clean up. And more than that, we better tell others. We better get out there and start sharing because not in the sense of going crazy about it, but just being real about it, like, hey, if I really believe this, if God really rose from the dead, if you really saved me, my life is going to be about sharing that. My life is going to be about knowing him and walking that out in the light of he could come back at any moment. And that's what uh, we've been instructed to do for the past 2,000 years. Maybe another 100 years, but I don't think so. I don't think so. But God says to Noah, this willing and open vessel that he could speak to and be heard by, You know, Noah was was looking for the voice of the Lord. He was was able to hear it. But God said that the the earth was filled with violence. It was filled with violence through them. And 4.10, it says, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. You know, that when Cain uh, murdered Abel, his blood went on the ground. And God said, I see what's going on. Even like his blood in the ground cries out to me. that There's evidence that this sin... Is, is out there. You know, we think we can hide our sin, but it's going to find us out. It's going it's to find its way out. And certainly before men, let alone before God. God sees it and knows it. But the earth is really affected by our sin. Like I, I said earlier in Romans 8 22, the, the whole earth, the uh, whole creation groans and trails in pain together until now. Uh, but not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption redemption of our body that the whole earth groans, and so do we. Man, I can't wait to get out of this body. I can't wait to get a new body. You know, I can't wait to just be free of this garbage of this life. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, you know, do you know why the earth is falling apart today? It's because of sin. That's the root cause. You know, that was the law of entropy, that things go from a state of together to being apart. And that's because of sin. Things are breaking down. God said, you know, God was with us, we decided to choose our own way, and so God kind of let go a little bit, and now he's still involved, but the further we push him out, the more it falls apart. I mean, look at this nation, I mean, look at from World War II until like the 60s, you know, until the 80s, until now, how much America is falling apart, it's because we've rejected God, we've rejected God, it's not because we have statues up. It. it's not because we, we haven't enacted global laws, it's because we've forgotten God. You know, what did Jesus say? A house that's divided amongst itself cannot stand. And that's spiritual, let alone a physical government, you know, a physical nation. And this nation's barely hanging on, you know, from what they'd have you believe. But sincerely, you know, if we think that this is going to continue this way and things are going to be rosy until the day Jesus comes back, I think we've, we've missed reality. We've missed scriptures. <laughs> things aren't going to get better. I'm not saying go and prep as much as Noah, go build yourself an ark in the backyard. But I'm saying it's just be real. Like, things aren't going to get better, guys. It's only gonna get worse and and in that we should rejoice because that means that time is almost up, class is almost over. You know, again, it's not because of the industrial revolution. You know, again it's it's because of the sin revolution. You know, it, it's sad because you look around the world, you see people who are losing their minds, who suicide is now one of the greatest killers. These people they have nowhere to turn, they have no well, they have somewhere to turn, but they don't have hope. you know. They, they, they refuse to believe the right answer for the way things are going wrong. And with that, what else are you going to do? If I didn't know Lord, if, you know, maybe that would be me. You know, we can't explain these things. We can't control these things like we want to. Population control, open borders, whatever. Because it's not going to fix it. Because that's not the answer. In fact, that's the spirit of the Antichrist working his way in the world, preparing for uh, an evil world. But it says that God says that it was filled with violence. If God says that the world was filled with violence, I'm hopefully going to agree with him that it was filled with violence. And I would say that today. The world is filled with violence. Just read the news and see what kids are doing, to old people on the subway. What's happening in elementary schools and other schools, the amount of things that's going on. People don't get, don't. it's like mob rule. You know, I see these riots in St. Louis. People are rioting because they're not getting their way. I mean, I don't know the details, but it's like, this is violence. Everyone's resorting to violence to get what they think is right. But isn't that the end of every sin, in a way? When we look at David and Bathsheba, what was the end of David's sin? Well, Uriah was murdered, and then the death of his firstborn. You know, Solomon, God gave grace, and Solomon was born after that. That was the end of sin there. You know, Jesus' greed and desire were for his ideas to come to be, that he wanted this political revolution. And Jesus wasn't the political Marx or whoever he wanted. He was a spiritual leader, a spiritual king, coming in peace the first time, but like a lion, the Bible says, the second time. And what happened for Judas? Well, Judas went to the cross, and we're thankful for that death, and he grows again. But what happened to Judas? He went out and killed himself. He hung himself. You know, and I think today that people will kill what they get. Uh, people to kill, excuse me, to get what they want and to keep it, no matter what it is. You know, you can just read the news and see what people are killing each other for over these days, I think. So I just some article about some brother killing his brother over the internet. Like, was it that slow? You know, like, I make light of it, but that's... I don't think the world is very different today than it was in the days of Noah. But on the flip side of that, sometimes the only end to violence is violence. Sometimes the only way to stop a violent act is with another violent act. Look at certain police videos. I've I've watched this guy like comments on these police videos and you'll see like snippets of these videos in the news. You'll see people tweeting about them and outraged about them. But when you watch the whole clip, you go, the cop told him to stop 25 times. The cop told him to put the knife down, 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 (laughs) put the knife down, over and over. The guy doesn't do it. He charges the cop. He gets shot. Like, I'm sorry, but that is what you got coming to you. Just, I've never had that problem because I put my hands on the wheel, I turn the lights on, I roll the windows down, I turn the car off. You know, I, I ain't doing nothing wrong. I don't want to do nothing wrong. Just give me the ticket if you're gonna give me a ticket. And, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm white, so I don't know what, what that whole deal is. I don't, I don't necessarily understand that, so I'm not gonna say that I speak to that. But in the same sense, like, you're not doing anything wrong. You really got nothing to worry about. Even if they do mistreat you, it'll come out of you and You don't need to. What it is. I just got my soapbox there, but it is what it is. Sometimes dealing into violence is violence, you know. Killing is not murder. God says thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not hate someone in your heart and want to murder them like Cain and Abel. And yet, God killed his son Jesus, right? Does that make God guilty? No. He allowed him to be killed for a purpose. He planned it for him to be killed for a purpose. If someone breaks into my house at night, I'll go to jail if I have to, to do a violent act to stop them from doing a violent act to my family. That's not murder. That's Get out of my house. You know, I was visiting uh, Montana recently, and one of the pastor, one of my pastor friends out there, his son-in-law is a sheriff, or a deputy sheriff, and he was told stories about, like, someone would break into the house, and the guy would say, stop what you're doing, don't move, I'm going to shoot you. He shoots him, the guy runs outside and dies, and that's awful. But the cops come take the guy away, and the guy in the house is not in trouble, because that's the law, you know? Just don't be foolish enough to break into the house. You know, I think I've shared with you before, He shared about a Muslim cleric who was sharing about Montana. And he said, uh, it was like one of these videos you see, and I guess he's like instructing people to do suicide attacks or violent attacks. He says, attack anywhere in America. Just don't go to Montana. Because everyone's got a gun. Because your violent act is going to be met by a violent act. There's a reason why these people go to these schools and shoot up, because they've got free reign. You want to go do what you want. You're not going to have anyone stop you until you want to call yourself out. Until you want to kill yourself Again, I don't think I have all the answers practically for these situations, but I don't think we're going about it the right way. And we see here that God says that I will destroy them with the earth. That God sees the violence on the earth and he says the only way to stop all this violence is to wipe all this violence out. And God takes responsibility for himself. He doesn't say, Noah, raise up an army. Noah hears the instructions for an atomic bomb. Go build 12 of them. He says, Noah, just build an ark. I'm going to be the one who's going to wipe them all out off the face of the earth. God takes responsibility. You know, it's not Noah's fault if they all perish. It wasn't Noah's fault, as we'll see later when he's on the boat and all these people dying when I get on. And the earth as well. God took responsibility. God created it. You know, as I joked with Jacob yesterday, I brought you into this world, boy, and I'll take you out. But sincerely, God brought him into the world. Uh, I'm just here to love him. Let's go on. Uh, Verse 14 says Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. It's like tar. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Um, you know, it's interesting that people who have this and built models, and it's it's a very seaworthy vessel that's based on its height and width and length, that it's not looking to capsize. You know, it's, it's kind of like a modern tanker ship, you know. Again, knowledge of knowledge from God. You know, if I was Noah, I probably would have built it like the little toy ark that we had at home. It's kind of round and cute. You know, it wouldn't be very seaworthy. But he says, you shall make, verse 16, a window for the ark, and you shall finish it with a cube from above, and set the door of the ark on its side. You shall make it with the lower, second, and third decks. So we will stop there for now. He says, make yourself an ark. Noah, I'm bringing judgment, but you have responsibility here. You've got responsibility here You know, there's this idiom that says, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, you know? We've got responsibility as believers. When God gives us instruction, whether it's just straight up scripture instruction, or whether it's specific instruction, you know, maybe, you know, your wife or your husband asks you to do something, but really when God speaks to your life, that this is what I want for your life, yeah, maybe the rest of your friends do this, and it's not sin for them, but it's sin for you, don't do it. We have that responsibility to that. But more than that, more on the, not on the no's, but on the goes. Jesus said, and the great commission, he says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Like God says, you don't have the authority, but authority was given to me. And because authority was given to me, Jesus said, you go. He said, he's already told us all to go. He's already told us all to go. We don't have to like look for that and say, God, are you sending me? You know, maybe we need to pray about who we should speak to or where we should go. But you're all sent. We're all sent. Maybe that go just means down to your job every day. Maybe that go just means to your neighbors. Maybe that go just means to your spouse. Maybe that go means going to Cambodia. I I don't know what that go means for you and for me. God will speak that to you. But our whole lives are about being going, right? This is not our final home, our final destination. Uh, You know, we're watching uh, space movies, and they have, like, these uh, colonists, a bunch of colonists in space trying to go to another planet. And it struck me, like, that's a lot like us. Like Because one of the things that the character said was that, you know, be careful, you know, when we get there, they're not going to be your crew anymore. They're going to be your neighbors. And I think a lot, a lot of that like the church. Like, right now, we're of this colonized vessel. We're sojourning through this life, going to heaven, and we're all in the army of God, and we're all soldiers mm-hmm. and mission together. And sometimes we mistreat each other. And we, Why isn't he doing this and that? And it's like, be careful, you know. We're, we're all going to heaven when we get there. We're, we're not going to be pastor, teacher, Sunday school, worship, you know. It's not going to be these levels that we perceive when they're not really leveled at all. We're all going to be neighbors when we get there. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's we have, we're have we going somewhere. That's where right. I'm that's <laughs> going with this. We're going somewhere. We have a final destination, a home in heaven. But while we're on the way there, we need to be going. We need to be sharing. We need to be doing just like while well, Jesus was going to the cross, he was sharing. But Noah had this responsibility. He didn't necessarily need to go out and tell everyone that the flood was coming. But maybe when they came over and he's like cutting down trees and hammering boards and making all that pitch for 100 years. I mean, can you imagine that's you know, I work on the car here and there, and I'm like, you know, I get dirty, and I'll shower, and I'm like, I don't want to do that again for a couple days. That's why I work. But Noah, every day, again, covered in pitch, just doing it. People come, up, what are you doing, Noah? Are you really? You really have food in your basement, Noah? For what? <laughs> well, Hurricane Irma. <laughs> but sincerely, um, you know, we've got responsibility, just like Noah had a responsibility to obey. I think we need to continue in that responsibility like Noah did. He continued on for 120 years. And Acts 2.42 says, and they, steadfast, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That we need to continue in that. We need to continue in the core of our faith. We need to continue in fellowship together. And that's not just hanging out and joining a football game. That's sharing what God's doing in your life. You know, kind of like what Mario was sharing with us this morning. You know, uh, these are the things I'm reading. These are the things that God's showing me. These are the things that you know, maybe I'm convicted about it. You share it with someone who's trusted. Um, but then you're also going to go. You're going to disciple. You're going to uh, teach all nations about the scripture. Maybe you'll never be a pastor or a Billy Graham. And that's okay. I think a lot of times we think we have to be someone, quote, unquote, special. But God has made us each special. I think we've got it backwards, in, 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 at least from the experience of church I've had, is where we, we think that the only one who's doing anything is the guy teaching the message on Sunday. And that's like, that's an important part, don't get me wrong. I think that like the smallest part was that you know an hour at most. Oh good grief, don't let it be an hour. But the rest of the week, where are you guys? Where am I? We're at our jobs. We're at the supermarket. We're at the gas station. We're at our home. This is just to equip us, guys. This is the huddle. This is the game plan. This is you know. We, they work. I guess I've seen videos where you know if you work at Walmart in the morning, I guess they make you do some Walmart chant like rah rah rah. Says goodbye Walmart. Always falling prices. You know, like Amazon's you know, so us. Whatever. I don't know what it is, but like. That's what this is. This is us getting together, not to not to see who's greatest, not to hear a good speaker. That's certainly not the case this morning. But we're here to spend time with Jesus. This gathering should be about Jesus. When you go to oh, Goshen later, it should be about Jesus. It doesn't matter what everyone else is there for. For you and for me, it should be about spending time with Jesus because we need it together. It's not just this uh, lone wolf thing, but it's the whole, whole time, the whole kit and caboodle. We need to go out from there go from there and every day be hammering, be building that ark, be building that witness that judgment is coming and God doesn't want you to be a part of it. God sent Jesus like God gave Noah plans, you know. But we need to continue in that guys. We need to be the church. We need to continue. And don't give up. It's dark. People are gonna fall away. People are gonna betray you. Because it's the last days. It's just another evidence that it's the last days. And if that's the case we can hang on a couple more minutes, right? But he says in verse 15, this is how God gives Noah specific instructions on how to build the ark. He doesn't just say, ah, just do what you want, Noah. <laughs> I know, we need an ark. But God's like, I'm bringing judgment, but I've also got a perfect plan for the way to get you and the animals through what's coming, through the storm that's coming. Uh, you know, uh, people who didn't evacuate, you know, from the storms in the south, they needed to evacuate. They didn't evacuate. At some point, at some point, it's on them, you know. But I remember hearing the police at some point were like, we, from this point on, we're not going to be able to get to you. You're on your own. Like, right? can't get to you. But I think that there's a right way. In fact, I know and I believe that the scripture shows that there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. That means life. That means the church. That really means everything. There's a right way to change the oil in your car. There's a wrong way to do it. There's a right way to plug in an outlet. I remember, I remember plugging in at a PlayStation at my friend's house in high school and like I, he didn't have a cover on it. And I guess I hit the side. And I got shocked and tasted pennies and it was like, that's the wrong way to plug it in. I never want to plug it in like that ever again. Learned my lessons that way. Uh, so I I don't play PlayStation anymore. (laughs) Just just kidding. (laughs) But uh, sincerely, um, there's the right way. It's the right way to do life. People are trying to figure out how to do life, trying to reinvent their lives these days. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, again, not to judge them, but it's going to judge in their own lives. The judgment is going to be evident in their own lives. We don't need to do it. It's going to naturally come up because we're not making it up. It's real. You know, God invented the church, and God is marrying the church one day. You know, what betrothed Jesus, the scripture says. You know, God made us believers, and we need to follow his lead in that. If God has a prescribed way for us to live our lives as believers, as the church, we should do it. And if we don't know how to do it, we should look for the way to do it. Uh, I was speaking with a brother at a wedding. I met him once before. I never had a real conversation with him. And we had this great conversation at the wedding, and it was like, it was like mind meld, you know, I don't know, Vulcan mind meld. Like I guess I don't know what it is, but it's like we, God has been speaking similar things to him and to me for the past couple of years, same stuff to his family and my family. And it's like, again, not that, not that I disagree with the church so as much as I just, I want to make sure we're doing what God says we're supposed to be doing. I don't want to do things just because we've always done them that way. I don't, you know, it's like, let's say, let's say all of us were to get together. We said, let's go out and start a church in Kansas. And I know how to do a cafe ministry, and you know how to do an office, and you know how to do children's ministry. And we just go, by the numbers, do that. Well, maybe all those things are right and good back where we came from. But maybe that's not the way God wants to do it specifically in Kansas, so to speak. Maybe God wants just to have you guys meet at home first. Maybe he's going to work things out in a different way. But again, I'm not saying do anything here. I'm not saying go all emergent, because I think they've got the right idea, in a sense, where... Maybe we're not doing things the right way, but they go back to the wrong thing. They don't go back to the scripture, they go back to feeling, you know, they go back to what they want to do, they go back to what the world is doing or what dead churches are doing. Let's go back to the scripture. What scripture does it says? They continue steadfasting in Apostles' Doctrine. That's the Bible, that's the New Testament. Fellowship, talked about that, breaking of bread, having communion, eating together, and in prayers. But that's the core. That core doesn't exist. The Holy Spirit isn't working in those things in us, if that holiness isn't there. Well, we're missing something and we need to cut out the cafe. We need to, I remember a pastor friend of mine would take seasons off in the year and had to shut down everything that the church was doing so that they could just make sure that they were doing what God would have them do. Like, let's we don't need to do this cafe. And in a sense like, yeah, I understand children's ministry, but in a sense like we don't need to go set up a classroom. Like I like that they're here to hear this and, and get through this, but I think the most important thing is are we doing it because God wants us to do it, or because this is the way we've just seen it done. Right? And again, maybe when we step back and look at it, and we see the way it's been done, and we see the way Scripture says it, and we go, oh, well, this is the right way, so I'm going to keep this way. You know what I mean? I'm not saying throw the baby out of the bath water, but I'm saying what defines us as believers? Is it the Western church? Is it our denomination, which I don't see denominations here. In fact, I see, you know, we're all the church, right? Again, you know, we have to have right division, but why are we doing what we're doing? Is it because God gave us specific instruction or is it just because we think this is the right way to do it? If I was Noah, I'd be like, God, how many nails? <laughs> you know, like, I'd be like a little too you know, uh, OCD about it. Might not even get done. Um, but we are the body. And I think, uh, I wonder why we are trying to call the shots. Why is the body trying to call the shots? If Jesus is the head of the church, why is the body trying to figure out what to do? Shouldn't we listen to the head? should we listen to the brain? You know, I think so often we're trying to, uh, God, we'll get to you later. We want to go do this. We want to go do that. And what does that make you think of? makes me think of the flesh. When my flesh wants to do something, it ignores what my head wants to do. It says, don't listen to your head. Don't listen to your, you know, don't listen to the scripture. Don't listen to what those trusted people told you. Just do it because you want to do it. No, slow down. Take time. And think the church needs to listen to what God is doing. I think in these last days, God wants to do a great work. God wants to build an ark, so to speak, and get the people who are still here back on the right track. But if we're not listening as the church, if we're not listening as the body, God's still going to do it, but he's going to do it through somebody else. And I don't want that to be me. I want to be doing what God wants me to be doing. Because I want to be where God is. I don't want to go through my whole life and realize, man, I missed out on spending time with God. You know, we're looking at pictures from when I grew up there. And my mom found this nice bucket of pictures from when I was little. And, you know, Part of it's joy, part of it's sadness, because I remember, I was talking to a friend on Instagram, I sent him some pictures, and it was like, you know, it really was a good time, it was like, yeah, it was a hard time, there was a hard thing going on in my life at that time, and I kind of want to get out of that period, but I look back and go, man, I really wish I spent more time with those friends, I was a better friend with those friends, when I was a kid, so I didn't really know, but it's like, man, that's saying, youth is wasted on the young, right, like, you don't really realize what you have until it's gone. But God is able. God is able. God wants to do stuff through us. God is going to do something through Noah, as we're going to see. And, uh, you know, again, if God's speaking it to you, God's speaking it to Noah, God's going to get it done. It's, it's really on him. Let's go on. In verse 17. Actually, can we read it? Okay. All right. Let's read 17 through the end. It says, um, And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sword into the ark and keep them alive with you. And they shall be male and female, the birds of their kind, the animals after their kind, of the every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. You shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. And thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him. So, he did. It says here in verse 17, it says, And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters. Like I said earlier, God created <clears throat> rightly, but he also can rightly destroy what he created. You know, he took responsibility for their judgment. then. And Noah, it's on, it's on me. I'm bringing the judgment. You know, it's, it's essentially, God always sort of Takes responsibility for our sin, you know. Whether it's him taking the punishment or him taking the judgment. As parents, I think sometimes we really need to take responsibility for our children's sin. Um, you know, like uh, Job prayed and set up an altar to pray for his kids. Uh, that you know, if you know they're doing their sinning. And again, not that like, you know, a child is going to go the wrong way sadly at some point. You know, I think of my kids. You know, as best as we do, as good as we try with the Lord, you know, they still have to make their own decisions. They're so going to be adults one day. I mean, God's a perfect parent, and what could happen to Adam and Eve? You know, as soon as God, like, let them off on their own, they're messed up. So, not to take the blame in a guilt way, in a guilt trip way, but really take responsibility for it, to pray for them, to care for them, to, to discipline them, to do what's what's necessary in their lives. You know, and again, different measures. You know, like a little kid, maybe you have to spank them, maybe you have to put in a timeout. And, With an older kid? I don't know yet. I haven't gotten there. Pray for me. It's hard enough now. I want to be a good dad to these kids. But God took responsibility for the judgment. And Jesus did that on the cross. Jesus took responsibility for our sin. He didn't have to, but he did. And he took the judgment. And I think that that needs to be the core of what we share of our lives, is that not that we're judging people, we're putting God's judgment on them, but in a sense that, hey, Get God's judgment off of you. You don't need God's judgment on your life. Jesus died on the cross for you. He took your sins away. You can be free of this. You don't need this in your life. I think a lot of times people, we share, but maybe we don't share it that way, and I'm guilty of that too. Maybe people don't respond to it the way we think because maybe we're not sharing it the way we should. And even if we did, I think maybe they don't really understand that God wants to take it off of them. They think God wants to put a burden on them. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. You know, I've even heard said by an unbeliever about the 10 commandments that the don'ts are actually a good thing because it's a lot easier to point out 10 things not to do than a million things to do. You know, it's easier to say, just don't do these couple of things, right? But God's judgment, he doesn't want our judgment to be on us. And that's why he took it on himself. He says here it's coming on all flesh that man, beast, plant, everything was affected. Um, You know, it was all affected by sin. Uh, similar like when the Israelites came out of Egypt, that the, the the unbelieving generation in the wilderness had to die off completely before they go on the promised land because they were sin there. And the same way God had to wipe out everything in the world to start over new. Um, you know, they, they tell you to finish your antibiotics. You know, you want to make sure that, that you've got it all out of you before, before you move on. But he says, I will establish my covenant with you. God says, it's not up to you, Noah. To make things right again, it's not up to you. I'm establishing my covenant with you. You just get to build a boat, hang out, go on a cruise for a little while. But I'm making my covenant with you. My covenant will be the foundation of your life going forward, Noah. You know that a, a new covenant was coming even to us today. You know there was a, uh, we have it rather, a new covenant coming. But there was an Adamic covenant in Eden. Uh, but then there's a fallen world, and God cursed them, and God would go with them. That was God's promise to them, and He would be with them but also that a savior would come through uh, Eve, through the line of Eve. But ultimately, the Messiah would crush the serpent. But then the Noahic covenant, we're going to see the flood is unconditional. The, no matter how wicked uh, things got, Noah and his descendants in all life, um, God would never flood the earth again. That's God's promise to Noah, that God is never going to destroy the whole earth again in the flood That Every time you see the rainbow, you can remember God's judgment is not coming. I think it's interesting that the sign of God's judgment not coming again, has been hijacked by people who, you know, are right for judgment, but they don't have to. be. But it physically can't happen again. Physically, the world can't be flooded mm-hmm. again. And I think that that's what's interesting about this global warming uh, and you know the thing that's going on that people talk about is that ultimately they're afraid afraid of everything getting flooded. They yep. always talk about everything getting flooded again, and or even if it's just the coast and the places where they have beach houses and whatever. But sincerely, God's not going to flood the earth again. He's going to burn it. Um, so that's talk about global warming. That's that's really high It's not a couple of degrees there outdoor. Um, but God promises the covenant here to get them through the flood. Noah, his family, and all the animals. I um, think it's interesting, you know, like with Abraham, God cut a covenant with Abraham later in scripture. And Abraham falls asleep and God does all the work. And Abraham wakes up and God's like, I've done this covenant for you. I think that should be to us, too. We see these covenants by God. Yeah, like when God makes a covenant with Israel, they need to obey to receive the blessings. I think that that's fair. But in, that, in essence, God is the one who made the covenant. God is the one who brings the covenant. We just have to be available to receive it like Noah was available to receive it. And God promised to get them through. And I know that we've heard this verse at nauseam. We you probably have 14 things of it hanging in your house like I do, uh, but never really truly believe it. But let's believe it. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. God says it's us. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. We don't have to worry about the judgment. Yeah, maybe we should bear and look around and wonder, you know, maybe think if things do fall apart, you know, I, I, I should be at least somewhat thinking about it. But in the end, really, I, I don't need to worry about God's judgment. I know I'm going to heaven. I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. I know even in this life, even if things are hard for me now, I know that God is not thinking thoughts of evil towards me. God is thinking thoughts of peace towards me and towards you. And that should be good. That should be what separates us from the world is that we know what's going to happen. Oh God, I lost my job or oh, you know, my 401k got trashed but I know that you've got an expected end for me. That God has an end for it. The world doesn't know that and that's why the world is clamoring violently to hang on to the little they have because they're afraid of losing them because they don't have a guarantee. They don't of it, with the one who's in control. Verse 19 says, uh, and we're gonna wrap up here in a minute. Two of every kind. We'll see in chapter seven, the next chapter, that he t- he's supposed to take seven of every clean animal. And I think, in some sense, in that chapter, Noah's uh, instructed to take them. While here, they more come of their own accord. I mean, that's just what I, I gather from it. Um, you know, but God's gonna bring these animals here. We even see in the storms today that when you know when a storm's coming, animals begin to go and hide and flurry. They know it's coming before we do sometimes. I think it's like this leftover thing in them. But we see clean versus unclean animals. Uh, you, know, you know, we're supposed to take two of every kind of animal here. You know, we see uh, in Acts, Peter is giving that vision of clean and unclean animals. God, thousand was rise. Peter, kill me. Um, but these animals here, really, you know, there's all these arguments. Well, how do they get all the animals on the road? How do they do this? How do they do that? Well, you know, you can bring one type of dog. Over thousands of years, get multiple types of dogs. It's not evolution. It's You know, they call it microevolution, but it's not like one thing becoming another. You know, that that obviously happens, but uh, it doesn't happen. I, I don't need to argue with you. Other than, the Bible says that God made them after their kind, and that's what they're going to keep doing, after their kind. Uh, but seriously, you can fit all the animals in the boat. You don't have to be grown animals, they can young animals, they can smaller animals, and besides that, God's doing it, God's bringing them, God planned it. I don't need to do logistics. We're here, aren't we? You know, it's like either you believe or you don't. I can't force you to believe it. But if you don't believe this, what else are you going to believe? I and mean, I think, honestly, if you look at the evidence in the world, you look at uh, the way certain canyons are carved, the way certain silt deposits are under the oceans, the age of forests, the age of deserts, the age of coral reefs, they all line up with the account of the flood. They don't line up with millions of years, well, you know, like different soil levels, and they're flipped in someplace else, and then they have to come up with some theory to explain that. And it's like, well, I got a theory there. Earth was covered in water? But he says, they will come to you to keep them alive. You know, Noah had been given Adam's responsibility. Adam was to take care of the garden. He blew it. He was kicked out of the garden. He was supposed to watch over the animals. Uh, but that's what Noah does. Is He watches over the animals through the flood to keep them alive. And I think it's interesting that even through all this, God wanted to keep the rest of the creation alive as well. Again, all creation was created to bring glory to God. But Adam was put over creation as an image of God, like God is over all creation. And God wants to keep that picture going. God doesn't want to wipe that picture out. God wants to keep uh, that glorious picture of uh, him over everything and us in his image and in charge of things. So, yeah, we should take care of animals. We should take care of things. When you look at the forest fires in the West, it's because we're not taking care of it in a sense. You know, I don't know all the answers, but for the people that have spoken to out there, it's like they used to do more logging. They used to do more caring of the forest. And now they just want to let it all happen naturally. If it happens, just let it happen, and, and it's happening. You know, it's burning up. Again, not that we can control nature, but I think that we do. We should be. You know, I don't like, throw trash on the side of the street. I recycle. You know, I I want to be a good steward in some sense. But again, I don't I don't worship it. But Noah had been given absolute like I said, but it was really God who was doing it. God gave Noah the instructions, God would bring the animals, God would bring the flood, later on see God shuts the door, God dries up the land. But Noah had a responsibility to all of creation to believe God and what God told him uh, And ultimately obey God. Their lives were dependent on it. If Noah, God didn't speak to Noah's family, God spoke to Noah. God didn't speak to the animals, so to speak, the animal, you know. A beaver can build a pretty good dam, but I don't think he can build a boat, you know. Like he had to speak to Noah to build the boat, right? Like, Noah had a responsibility here. No one could have not believed, and then maybe God would have said, okay, that's it, you know? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not God, but he obviously did. We have the record of it. But for you and I, when God speaks to you and I, he may not speak to the person next to you. He may not speak to your children. He may not speak to your spouse. He may not speak to your employer. But if he speaks to you, obey it. When we were getting ready to move back up here from Maryland, I really did not want to look for another job. We had, uh, I had quit my job. I felt like the Lord would love me to do that, to go down to Maryland and graciously... Thankfully, my in are around here, and my wife stayed with them. and I never want to do that thing again. <laughs> it was a blessing as I'm sure it was, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. And so I'm like, I don't. You know, I don't want my job again. I just feel like God was like telling me to go ask my job if I could work remotely. And I didn't believe it, and I was in Exodus in the time, and said that God sent the Israelites out, and the Egyptians blessed them and sent them off so that they lacked nothing and they weren't empty-handed. Like, All right, I guess that's you, Lord. I didn't really believe it. <laughs> I Went and talked to my boss because I kind of had to. Time so was ticking. And he was like, he was sad, but he was happy. He wanted to keep me. And then they talked to HR, and then they talked to the CEO. And like, I'm sitting at a table like this, and they're all sitting there, right? And they're just figuring it all out. And they're going, is that okay with you? I'm like, yeah. It's fantastic. Thank you. And it was like, God was working. Because God spoke, and God told me. And I didn't need to worry about what else was going to go on. You know, I, I didn't, like, force it on him. I was like, you know, if this doesn't work, you know, you know, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to just be a bad employee and did you, but God worked it up scared for what God's going to do next, because I don't know that it's always going to be that way. <laughs> might be a harder way. But I know that God will get me through, whatever it is. But we need to be obedient to what God tells us to do, because we have responsibilities for our family. to the next generation. You know, The church will die with us if, if we don't pass on our faith to others, if we don't pass it on to younger people. I mean, my kids, you know, it's like, they're the, they're the church. We're the church. When we pass on, they're the ones that are left. If it's not passed on, you know, we have a responsibility to do that. Yeah, ultimately, God does it by the Holy Spirit. We're not passing on an organization or a religion. God's got to have a relationship, and God's working them, and he's ultimately the one doing the work, but we have a part in that work. We have a responsibility to that work. It says um, in 622 that thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And because of time, we won't go there, but if you want to, look at Matthew 24, 42-51, 42-51, Matthew 24, 42-51, and Luke 19, 11-28, Luke 19, 11-28, it's the parables of the talents and how we're responsible for what God has given us. And again, that's not, you know, you didn't do all this stuff, you know, why didn't you earn all this stuff from me, Christian? Why didn't you get 100 people saved, you know? That's not God. That's not God, and that's what one of the servants thinks, that he was a hard man you're a hard man. I'm going to go bury it over here. So when you come back, at least I can give it back to you. I haven't lost anything. And he goes, get out of here. You You think that I'm a hard man? I'll show you a hard man. Mm-hmm. But will we be faithful to all that God has commanded us? Or will God judge us with what comes out of our own mouths? You know, it says about these people who are experiencing God's judgment, it's because they brought it into their lives themselves. They've sought it out on their own. You know, will it would be our excuses, our wrong beliefs, about what God, uh, about God himself, about the world and what God says about the world, or what these things cause us to believe certain things about Jesus, that he's not the son of God, he's a brother, you know, like all these, these false things. Or they even think God's a hard man. I mean, how many of us think that God is a hard man? Maybe we wouldn't raise our hands and say God's a hard man. But how many of us deeply and truly in, in the heart of our being, in our very spirit, maybe think God's a hard man? Maybe we had a hard father. Maybe we didn't have a father. Maybe we had someone in our lives who was hard. And that's the way God's designed it. They get a picture of him through our parents, right or wrong. And sometimes maybe we don't, we don't know how to receive that love from God because we think he's a hard man. But God is not a hard man. God will resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When, when we realize we need him, when we realize who he is and that God is love, he doesn't. And here's the deal. He might be a hard man to those who are resisting him, but he doesn't want to be. He's only hard when he has to be. He'd much rather show grace. He'd much rather show mercy. It says that the glory of kings is show mercy. You know, he's not demanding with you and I to fulfill the commandments, to follow the commandments. Jesus did that, or all of the revealed word. He's leading us. He's loving us. He's calling us. He doesn't want us to go out and tell the whole world because he's a hard man. He wants us to go tell the whole world because there's a joy in it. To be about our father's business. To, I have a picture of me mowing along with my dad when i like Jacob's age. I'm not doing it. And I'm pushing a plastic lawnmower. But what a sweet memory that was. I hope that we have those sweet memories when we get to heaven. You know, again, Jeremiah 29, 11, For the thoughts, that, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you expected end. That's not a hard man. You're burdened in your walk this morning. You're burdened in your life as a Christian. It's going to be hard to say, but maybe you're not walking with it. Maybe you're listening to a voice that isn't God's in your life. Now I'm not saying God's not going to give you a hard thing to do that might maybe feel like a burden, like some of the prophets. cried. Oh, the burden of the Lord. And God's like, it's not a burden. I'm not going to give it to you then if you don't want it. But maybe it's not the Lord. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28-30, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you more work. No, I will give you rest. Take the day off. Sit at my feet. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says, for I am meek and lowly in the heart. You shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If your burden and it's heavy, I can't speak to what exactly is going on in each of your lives, but I can say with a general rule, Probably not the Lord. There's been times in our lives when we would do the things that we thought were what we were supposed to do, what made sense to do, maybe in the past. And as we stepped out to do them, oh, I can't do it. It's heavy. All right, maybe I should do it. Maybe I'm just being weak. Maybe I. No? All right, maybe I need. Maybe. Or, oh, this Oh, and I'm. Just, or maybe I'm doing it and there's no joy. And I'm snapping at people and I'm being a jerk and. I'm not experiencing the joy of the Lord. Well, maybe there's some sin in my life that's weighing you down. God's going, I'm not gonna help you do that. Well, you got that in your life. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's God going, I don't want you to have any part of that. I want you over here with me doing this over here. Because I've got something else I'm working something else I'm doing. I don't know what it is for your life, but I think that as we spend time with the Lord, I know He's gonna make it abundantly clear. He's nothing there being a hard man going you want to know? Uh, no, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you just keep sweating over there. He's going to tell you. He's going to show you why. Because he loves you. He doesn't need you to do anything. He made the covenant with Noah, and then he said, Noah, we'll get on the boat. He didn't say my covenant with you is to get on the boat. He said, I made my covenant with you. go we'll get on the boat, Noah. I've already given you the ticket. He's got a great life in love with you in store for you. You know, like we're talking to my wife yesterday. We want to live the abundant life. Not the Joel Osteen abundant life, but yeah. The abundant life that, yeah, we've got everything we need in Jesus, you know. But are we going to accept it? Are we going to walk in it and say, "All right, Lord, maybe you are going to use me this way, and I don't really want to be used this way," you know? To be honest with you, I was saying to the Lord last night, "I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do this," but I know it's what God wants to do. You know, this is too hard. You know, if God moves us on to say goodbye to this and say goodbye to you guys, that's too hard for me to do. But if God is doing something here not mine to do it's his to do and he's going to do and he'll carry it and he'll use it whether it's just today or whether it's six more weeks or six more months or six more years I don't know but I want to be a part of what God is doing today because if God's judgment is coming and he can come back at any moment if I'm telling him I'll be obedient to him six months from now but I'm not obedient today that's not obedience that's disobedience and more than that I'm not hanging out with my father and I know you guys want to hang out with him I want you guys to know that you can you have the freedom to do that but with that are we going to accept it Will we judge Him faithful and find Him true? The only way to do that is to listen and to obey when He tells us to do something. Or on the flip side, are we going to judge unjustly by our own standards, by our own understanding or our own measure of Him or what the Bible says, or of ourselves? Oh God, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. You're right, you can't do that. But God can, and God wants to with you and through you. Be free of the burden which is not yours to bear. The judgment was not Noah's burden to bear. Just building the ark ER and getting it done on time. That's his burden. I don't think it was that much burden. God gave him 120 years. Maybe maybe it was a unit job to be a burden to get it done in 120 years. But I think sincerely you got it done uh, with time to spare. Amen? Yeah, God, thank you for your grace and mercy. And sincerely, God, we say those words, but you are gracious. You are plenteous in mercy, and you're willing and wanting to show yourself good to us, God. You promise that you're going to be good to us all our days. All our days, God. You're good. Help us just live in that and not worry about doing, but worry about being with you. And cut away everything that keeps us from being with you. And just make every effort to be with you and work, and slave and do that just to get away with you and spend time with you, whatever it takes, God. God, in these last days, God, would you continue to use us? You sent us out. Use us, we pray. Fill us, Holy Spirit, and let us look to you in these last days. Bring peace to this world. Bring salvation, God, to people who are totally lost and totally trying to do their own thing and are rejecting you. Let them see that you're not hard. And they don't need to reject you. They don't need to be so burdened with everything they they want to be burdened with. It's a choice. God, help them, we pray. Be with us today and the rest of this day. But God, be with your people. God, we're your people. You're all in your church. God, we can't wait to worship you in heaven and see you. like My daughter was saying, we get to see you. We can't wait for that day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you.